Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Hello, everybody. My name is Amitabh. That was Joyce and Ariel. Just love their video, what they say um, about that bribing stuff. Like, uh, I don't know, but, but, but 30 nations, part of his growth group, accepted Christ. Beautiful. If you're watching us online, just a reminder that uh, you have an online chat host and you can reach out to them and do uh, ask them any questions that you have. Our, our scripture today is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 18 to verse number 20. We are in a sermon series titled Breakthrough. The sermon series is about unleashing the power of God in your life through the discipline of prayer. And we are going to look at how to pray effectively. When it comes to prayer, what are we to do? Does the Bible give us any principles on how to pray? Does the Bible tell us how not to pray? Does the Bible tell us how to pray effectively? The answer to all these questions is yes. The Bible gives us great guidance when it comes to prayer. So the text is Ephesians 6, verse 18 to verse number 20. Read the text along with me. I will read verse 18 with you. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Just in that one verse, there are six pointers on how to pray effectively. Number one, pray in the Spirit. Number two, pray on all occasions. Number three, all kinds of prayers and requests. Number four, be alert. Number five, always keep on praying. And number six, pray for the church. Uh, Take your Bibles and your sermon notes out and we will take uh, sermons together. We'll take the notes together uh, online if you have our app or you can download our app. That's a great way every week to follow along. Uh, Number one, keep a running conversation with God. Keep a running conversation with God. Now, when we pray or when we talk to God, we are not providing him an executive summary or it's not a fact exchange we are doing. It's a running conversation. It's an ongoing conversation in which he takes us on a journey and he transforms us and he reshapes us. And I don't know about you, there are times in our life when we make mistakes and when we are having a running conversation with God, he corrects us and he improves us. He makes us a better person. A running conversation with God not just does not change the way you look at things, but it also changes the things you want to change. As you keep running with God, He gives you a certain set of priority, a new priority. Now, any conversation has two sides, two elements to it. One is talking, and the other is listening. Ask yourself, Are you taking the time to listen to God? In your prayer life, are you taking the time to listen to Him? Sometimes we are worried. Sometimes we get anxious. So when we go to God, we are not really listening. We are just wanting to talk. And so in Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 6, 
It gives us the first basis on how to start a prayer life. He says, do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In every situation, talk to Him. Even when you're worried, when you're anxious, talk to Him. And, and, and it's not just talking, but listen to what He's saying. I remember way back in 1990, boy, that's about 29 years back, I was studying at a Bible college in the city of Bangalore in southern India. And every weekend, Gus Peters and myself, we were assigned to go to a local church. It was part of our internship where we had to go on a weekend and we had to help in the church. And uh, when we got up on the bus, the conductor spoke Canada language. There are 14 major languages in India. I did not know Canada language, but I had picked up two lines in Canada language, which made me survive. The first, first line was Erede, which means two, and Bamboo Bazaar was a bus stop. And I would get up and I look at the conductor and say, Erede, Bamboo Bazaar. And I'll do it like this. And usually he got, he got it. He knew what I was asking for. Sometimes, because I used the word Erede, he thought I could speak Kannada, so he would start asking me some stuff, and I don't know what he's saying, so I had a second trick up my sleeve, and that was my second line, I would say, Kannada Gotella, which means I don't know Kannada. So usually it worked very well. Erede Bamboo Bazaar, Kannada Gotella, and if I had five rupees, I was fine. One Saturday evening, Gus Peters and myself did not have that five rupees. We just didn't have it. So Gus and, Gus and myself, we prayed. I locked my, my room door. I was alone in the room. The window had rods. Nobody could walk into the room. And uh, just before going to sleep, I sat on the edge of my bed and I prayed and asked God to provide the five rupees. I looked inside the wallet. It was empty. I went to sleep, got up the next morning, and for some strange reason, I looked inside the wallet and there was five rupees. Just like that. Now I'll give you the full disclosure to the story. I've never shared this part of the story before. Next day evening, I sat at exactly the same place on the bed. And I tried to, you know where I'm going with this, right? I tried to say the same lines. I did the same thing. I looked inside the wallet, going to sleep, got up in the morning, looked inside the wallet, and guess what? There was no five rupees. Because I was now trying to make it like a religious formula. Here is what I'll do, here's how I'll say it, here's what I'll say, and here's how it works. It doesn't work that way, but one thing does work. When you pray, God answers our prayer. I've seen God do that. And Paul is encouraging us to have a running conversation with God, talking and listening, to present our request to God, just like Ariel in that video said, I just prayed a simple prayer. That's all it takes a simple prayer, a conversation, letting God know where we are. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 tells us to pray continually. Have this constant conversation, talking and listening. Continue doing that with God. Now in the same year when I was in Bible college, the head accountant called me to his office. It was the end of the first term. I owed college 175 Indian rupees. And so the accountant said, if you don't pay up the 175, you can't appear for the exam. I was upset. So while others were in the classroom, I went to my room and this is what I did. I know this, this is not, very, uh, not a very good thing to do, but I still did it. I pulled up a chair and I put a piece of cloth on the chair and I told Jesus, please sit down. I did use the word please. Please sit down. 
And then I just let Jesus have it. I told him, you know, how much I've sacrificed for him. I've left my house. I was serving. And he was not taking care of my needs. Thankfully, the college bell rang. It was time for some tea. So everybody had to go to the college canteen and pick up some tea. So this conversation stopped. And the tone of that conversation was slightly inappropriate from my side. But, but, but that's what I did. So I'm walking towards the college canteen and the postman arrives. The, the, post, the post office was on the college campus. So every, time, every day during the tea break, the postman would come and he would give out uh, the, the, the mail for the students. Now in those days, I'm taking you back to 1990s for the younger one. This is good to know. In 1990s, postal money order was a certified cashable and a safe way of sending money. You send money through the post office. And my brother who was in USA decided to send me something for my birthday. So while I'm picking up my tea, the postman calls my name. I go running up and he says, hey, you've got the postal money order. And I look at it and it's $5 from USA, which after the currency conversion is exactly 175 rupees. Exactly 175 rupees. Uh, One hour back, I don't have 175 rupees. One one hour later, I'm embarrassed for that conversation with God, but but God provided 175 rupees. Now hear this. For some people, prayer is like a steering wheel. We use it every day and it takes us forward. For others, prayer is like a spare tire. We only go on our knees when our car stops. And I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of using my prayer life like a spare tire where I only go to God when I need something. When my life comes to a standstill. And what Paul is saying, he's encouraging us. He's saying, if you need a breakthrough, here's the first principle. Have a running conversation with God. Talk to God every day. And that requires discipline. Number two, embrace all kinds of prayer. Now, Paul here is not implying that prayer is an anything goes proposition. You can do anything that you like. No, in fact, Bible tells us there are certain kinds of prayer we don't do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 7, And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose they'll be heard for their many words. When Paul says to pray all kinds of of prayer, and in this one verse, there are four times the word all has been used. All does not mean every kind, but rather many different kinds. Effective prayer can happen in a variety of ways, and it can happen at at different times. One thing we need to realize is there there are different kinds of prayer. There's prayer of gratitude, there's prayer of thanksgiving, there's prayer of petition, Prayer, prayer of dedication, prayer of intercession, prayer of confession, prayer for protection, prayer for blessing, all kinds of prayer. Now, there are not only different kinds of prayer, but there are different forms of, of prayer. Different people pray differently. If you've been following our life journal, reading the Bible every day, you'll find in our life journal in Genesis chapter 24, very recently, you would have read this where the chief servant of Abraham was told to go to Haran, where Abraham's relatives were, to go and pick up a bride for Abraham's son Isaac. So the chief servant goes, and before he enters the town, before that, the chief servant prayed a beautiful prayer. 
He prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. And then I'll fast forward the story. Rebecca came next to the well and then, you know, the chief servant is returning with Rebecca as the bride for Isaac. But when the chief servant and Rebecca are coming back, you find Isaac is praying, but he's out in the field and he's meditating and he's praying out in the field. So the chief servant prayed in a certain way and you find Isaac walking out in the field and he is praying. John MacArthur, in his commentary on the book of Ephesians, writes it so beautifully. This is what he said. Scripture, precept, and allowance suggest that we pray publicly or privately or spontaneously. While sitting, standing, kneeling, or even lying down, at home or at church, while working or while traveling, with hands folded or raised, with eyes open or closed, with head bowed or erect, the New Testament, like the Old, mentions many forms, circumstances, and postures for praying, but prescribes none. Now, the disciples came to Jesus and said, uh, you know, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9 to verse number 13, also called the Lord's Prayer. And, and Jesus said, this is then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, and then the Lord's Prayer. When I was very young, I was not a believer, when I was very young, I had one of my favorite gods, and I had a prayer book to the favorite god. And at a very young age, every morning before going to school, I would, I would stand in front of my, my favorite God and I would open the book and I would start to, to pray. No, 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 no. At first I needed the book because I had not memorized the prayer. But then I got better and better at praying. So I would go, no, 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 no. Perfect. I really became good in praying. Then I went to the school. The school was run by Canadian missionaries and we would have a school chapel. And at the end of school chapel, we had to recite the Lord's Prayer. I was good at memorized prayer, no problems. So I would go in the morning, no, 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 no. Our Father, who art in day, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. <laughs> Perfect, not a problem. In 1984, I decided I would accept what God has done for me, what Jesus did for me, and I would follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. So one of my seniors, his name was Danny Lingwood, he said, hey Amitabh, why don't you come to the prayer room? Let's pray. So I walked into the prayer room, he was kneeling next to, next to a chair, so I decided I needed to kneel next to a chair. And then Danny said, Amitabh, why don't you pray? Not a problem. Our Father, what in heaven, hello. He said, no, stop, stop, stop. Can you have a conversation with God? Can you talk to God? I had no idea what he was talking about. No idea. I was good in prayer. Talk to God. How do I do that? I still remember the first two lines of prayer, talking to God, I did in that room. You will think less spiritual of me, but let me share that prayer with you. This is how my first two lines went. Dear Jesus, I bless you. No, 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 God, I can't bless you. You are God. Dear Jesus, will you bless me? I fumbled. I made mistakes. It was horrible. But the greatest lesson I learned about prayer was at that moment, thanks to Danny. And this is what I learned. The effectiveness of prayer comes from the one who hears our prayer and not from the one who says it. 
It's okay to fumble. It's okay to, to have your life messed up and you're praying and you can't even get your sentences together. Just talk to him is good enough. It is not Shakespeare writing a book for heaven's sake. You don't have to get it all right. I love prayers when you know, people just change their voice. Oh God, our Father. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was amazing. When I started walking, I mean, I would do, you kneel next to a chair, I'll kneel next to a chair. Like, oh God, our Father. If you say, oh God, our Father, he understands it. It's, it's perfectly all right. There are different forms of prayer. And if you pray the other way, that's all right too. But it is not about you because the effectiveness of prayer is you're just talking to him and he hears our hearts. Number three, tune in to God's voice. Tune in to God's voice. In 1987, I was studying at Calcutta University in the morning at six o'clock. I would go to St. Xavier's College. My classes used to be till 9.40. At 10 o'clock, I was working in our church computer department. In those days, computer department was called management information system. It was a good term. So I'm sitting there in management information system uh, in the office. And the senior pastor knocks on the window. His office was at the end of the corridor. And he says, follow me. So I, I, I run after my senior pastor, Pastor Buntain, get into the elevator. We go down the elevator. We get into a small Fiat car. He drives for 15 minutes. We walk into a slum. It's, it, it's, it's just a cluster of huts. There are no street addresses. There are no house numbers. It's just a bunch of huts and he's walking through it and I'm following him. I have no idea where he's taking me. And he goes inside, inside a hut. I look from the outside. I see an elderly woman is dying. She is sick. Pastor Buntain says, Amitabh, help me pick her up. I'm trying to pick her up. The slum people knew Pastor Buntain. He had a good reputation of helping the poor. They come along. They help, they, they help us. We get the lady into the car. The car drives to our hospital, which is run by the church. The emergency doctors take over. I'm standing there. Then Pastor looks at me and says, okay, let's walk back to the office. So I'm walking back to pastor, with Pastor Buntain, my senior pastor. I'm three years in this walk. I'm still learning. And I look at Pastor Buntain and I say, Pastor, how did you know this, this, this woman was dying? And he replied, the spirit told me. The spirit told me. I was amazed. How can this man be so in tune with God that a 15 minutes driving distance away in his office, the spirit says, go to this hut and, and save this woman from dying. But the secret to what happened there was what happened every day at 4.30 in the morning. You could stand at Roy Street Church and at 4.30 in the morning, you would see Pastor Buntain would come and go into the prayer room. At 4.30 in the morning, he would go on his knees and he would pray. I was in charge of a hospital which would take care of Mother Teresa and the nuns. At 6 in the morning, Mother Teresa and the nuns would be praying. Their life would come to a pause and they would take the time to listen. Get in tune with, with God. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober, of sober mind, so that you may pray. Now we pray for many things. We pray for our family, we pray for our marriage, we pray for employment, we pray for our community, we, we pray. Martin Luther said it this way. He says, as the business of tailors is to make clothes, and the cobblers is to make shoes, so is the business of Christians to pray. 
And the Bible is urging us to watch and listen, to learn to tune in and listen to God, alert to what he's saying. John chapter 10, verse number 27 says it so beautifully. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. In 1990, my dad was diagnosed with liver cirrhosis. His health started to deteriorate. So after a few years, I saw both my father and my mother were struggling to run the business just because of my dad's health issues. So I came out of pastoral ministry and for nine months, I was helping my dad in his business. Just before I went back to pastoral ministry at around three in the morning, I started being woken up by God. Now in my life, there have been a few moments where around three in the morning, God wakes me up. And when he does it a number of times, I know he's trying to tell me something. So on the third morning around 3 a.m., I was woken up again. And when I use the phrase woken up again, it was literally like somebody standing next to me and shaking me and waking me up. So I, would, I, I woke up, I went to the next room and I'm praying. And by now I'm, I'm listening. I'm not talking. I'm saying, God, this is the third morning. What are you trying to tell me? And the only thing he said, God said was, Today at 2 p.m. Now let me tell you, when God tells you today at 2 p.m., the only thing you feel is fear. Because you say, God, what about 2 p.m.? What is happening at 2 p.m.? Am I going to die at 2 p.m.? At least that's where I settled what it meant. So that day when I went to the office, my, my chair was... Just above my chair was a fan. I did not sit on my chair because I did not want the fan to drop on my head at 2 p.m. When I entered the office, I did not go on the streets of Calcutta. I did not want to be run over by a bus or a taxi at 2 p.m. I stayed put away from the winter window in the safe place saying, today at 2 p.m. My daddy walked into the office. He's not a believer. He was away from the office the whole morning. He walked in just before 2 p.m. And at exactly 2 p.m., I have my eyes on the watch, he says, I've been thinking you should go back to the church, serve as a pastor, read a lot like your grandfather used to read, travel a lot because you will learn a lot, and do right as much as you can at 2 p.m. The voice of our parents, we know it. We are able to recognize the voice of our parents even in a large crowd. In the same way, we need to become sensitive to the voice of our father. It is amazing how when you begin to take the time to listen to him, you start to recognize his voice. Number three, tune into God's voice. Number four, persevere. Persevere. How do you know when you've prayed enough? There are situations and times in our life which calls us into a season of prayer, but we tend to give up easily. There's a term which I've heard that has been said about, pray, about praying, and it's, it's a term or two words which says praying through. What does praying through mean? It means that you are not going to give up. You're going to bring your request to God and be persistent until you feel that God has answered your prayer. No audible voices are necessary, but a peace that he has answered your prayer. Now the answer could be a yes, an answer could be a no, an answer could be a wait. But, but you will not give up on God and you will, you will not stop praying. In Acts chapter 12 verse number 5, there's a perfect example of perseverance. Peter is in prison. 
So Peter was kept in prison, Acts 12 verse 5, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now prayer is like breathing. It is, it is not an event. It is not an item on our checklist. It's not our daily duty. Our, it's not an obligation. Prayer is a privilege, but prayer is like breathing. Remember the verse in Thessalonians. Pray continually. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When God says to persevere, it does not mean that you need to say thanks to God for everything. Hear me carefully. We don't need to give thanks to God for the problems. But rather we give thanks to God in the middle of our problem. So don't get super spiritual on me. Oh God, I thank you for this cancer. No. But in the middle of my cancer, I still give you thanks. I don't understand it, God. Speak to me. Praying while you're going through difficulties. Praying while you have a problem in your life reveals that you trust him and you believe that your God is bigger than your problem. Colossians chapter 4 verse number 2. Devote yourself to prayer being watchful and thankful. Let me pause at that word thankful. Remember Jesus healed the 10 lepers? And one of the lepers came back and said thank you. The nine lepers did not come and say thanks. When you are not praying, here could be a cause of it. It's a hard statement, but let me make it. An ungrateful heart can lead to silence and having no conversation with God. You're not telling him anything. You're quiet. You're like the nine lepers. You're not, you're not having any communication. Paul is taking us a step further. He's not, he's not just saying, go and give thanks to him. He's saying, let me take you a step further in your prayer life. Don't just pray for yourself. Don't just pray selfishly. Number five, pray for the church. Pray for others. Pray for the church. Now Paul encourages us to pray for his, for his people. Pray for the Lord's army. It is all for one and all for, all for one and one for all. Pray for those who are doing God's work. Pray for the persecuted church. No, don't just pray for Portico. Pray for the church of Jesus around the world. Pray for those who are going through hard times. First Timothy chapter 2 verse number 1. I urge then first of all that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. All people. Praying for others is important because it fulfills a New Testament command. First Timothy chapter 2 verse number 1. Pray for all the people. First Timothy chapter 2 verse number 2. Pray for government leaders. First Timothy chapter 2 verse number 3. Pray for the unsaved. Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 18. Pray for the fellow believers. Ephesians 6 verse 16 over verse 19 and 20. Pray for the ministers of the gospel. Pray for your pastor. Hebrews chapter 13 verse number 3. Pray for the persecuted church. Here's an example of praying for others. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 9 to verse number 11. For this reason since the day we heard about you. We have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Praying for others. 
praying for others gets our focus off ourselves. It helps us to respond to the needs of others. There's a father heart of God which, which, which grieves when we are going through problem, but it also grieves when others are going through problem. And we need to open ourselves and our spirit to the father heart of God. Praying for others helps us with that. And lastly, number six, pray in the spirit. In fact, verse number 18 starts with that phrase, pray in the spirit. If you want to have an effective prayer, pray in the spirit. Now, please note the Bible translators are using capital S for spirit, meaning it is not our spirit, it is the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 18, be filled with the spirit. Paul is not wanting us to pray in our power. He's not telling us that, he's telling us that there's an effective way of praying. Paul is telling us, To be filled in the spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. In 1984 when I started following the teachings of Christ. When I started to follow him. And I I came from a non-Christian background. I did not understand these verses. Praying in the spirit. The entire idea was new to me. Remember? What's my background? No, 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 no. Our Father who art in heaven. Pray in the Spirit. I don't know what that is. Getting filled with the, with the Spirit. Receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What does that mean? I remember in Acts chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, I read, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? In our church in Calcutta, there was an elderly lady, an elderly evangelist. Her name was Margaret One. I still remember her. She would go go out to our outreach churches in small towns and villages And in the evening, she would conduct a prayer meeting. So in one of the outreach churches, Margaret Wan went, and a Bengali language, Bengali-speaking rickshaw puller, you go, what's a rickshaw? A rickshaw is a two-wheel passenger cart. So the rickshaw puller, basically, you get on the rickshaw, and and that's how he earns his living. He pulls you around. So Bengali-speaking rickshaw puller walked into the meeting, and in the meeting, he, he asked God to fill him with the Spirit, He did not speak English, he had not studied English, but he started to pray in English, an unknown language to him. So normally when we go unknown language, we go, that's not English. Well, it's not English for you, but for the Bengali speaking rickshaw puller, that's still an unknown language. And he started to pray in English, and everyone in that church who understood English was shocked because it was unknown to him, but others attending could understand. I remember as a young believer hearing about this rickshaw puller. Now for me, it was much easier. I did not grow up in a certain church denomination. My theology was not placed in a box by someone else. My understanding of God was pretty much based on what I read in the Bible. I wanted to know what did the Bible say and what did Jesus do? When I read the Bible for the first time, I was reading about Jesus for the first time. I prayed as the Bible told me to pray. When I prayed, I personally experienced God answering my prayer. 
I did not have a denominational understanding of the scripture. I was a new believer. I picked up the Bible and I simply read it. I remember singing a song in those days. I still remember four lines of those songs. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse and every line. All are blessings of his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. And I believed it. And I received God's word and accepted it as just that. The best thing that happened to me personally is that when I read the Bible, I asked God to reveal the truth to me. It was not a person giving me his or her understanding of the Bible. I accepted what the Bible said. And when the Bible said, be filled with the Spirit, I prayed to God, the Father, to fill me. For one year, I remember, for one year, I prayed to God every day, God, fill me. God, I don't know what this means, but just fill me. For one year, perseverance, I prayed to God. God, fill me. Till he did. Read Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. It's there in your notes. Powerful, powerful verse. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. All I can do today is ask you to read the Bible and encourage you to seek the Holy Spirit. Ask him to fill you. Practice that. Do not pray in your own words alone. Allow God to give you the words. Let him give you a prayer language. As you are sitting through this Breakthrough sermon series. Some of you realize that your prayer life is not what it should be or what it could be. Please understand, I'm not wanting you to feel guilty. I'm not trying to push you. We at Portico do not want to push you to do anything that you do not want to do. All that we are saying is that if you're not happy how last year turned out for you, you perhaps realize you need a breakthrough in your life. If you will do what you've always done, you will get what you've always got, and the status quo is just not good enough. You can change all of that today by seeking him. I want you to leave from here today realizing that prayer is not a duty, it's a privilege. It is spending time with God who loves you. Allowing him to speak into your life is truly a life-transforming experience. Start by talking to him the way you feel comfortable. Just like Ariel and Joyce in our, in our video today. A simple prayer. Ariel said, I just prayed the simplest prayer. A simple prayer is an effective prayer. Let me close today with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, you tell us in your word that if my people... Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We acknowledge today that we are truly in need of you. Give us a breakthrough. Talk with us and walk with us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.